The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. on the air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Poise Pen Productions. Uh, for all your PA needs, please contact Tessa at poisepen.com. My guest today is award-winning author Lou Burney. When I tell you that he's won a couple of awards, I'm not joking. Um, his book, the Long and Far Away Gone was the winner of the Edgar, the Anthony, the Barry, the McCavity, and the ALA Awards. His um, new book was an Edgar winner called November Road. Um, he's been His fiction has appeared in publications such as the New Yorker, Plowshares, and the Pushcart Prize Anthology. He is the, a teacher of MFA in, in Oklahoma City University. It's my pleasure and my honor to welcome Lou Burney to the show. Lou, welcome to Authors on the Air. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Pam. It's great to be here. Now, I know you're on book tour, so for those um, who want to get out and about and meet you tonight, where will they find you? I will be tonight in Houston at Murder by the Book at 6.30, and I'm appearing with Jeff Abbott, the great crime novelist that's actually from this area, so... I'm really looking forward to oh, that. That's, I didn't know you were with Jeff. I'm going to see him on Monday in Miami. That's terrific. Yeah, he's, you know, yeah, he's fantastic. They, he, he's a great guy. Um, you know, they, they say we're, I guess Kevin Bacon started the Six Degrees of Separation. It's really true, I think, particularly in the crime writing community, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It's such a tight yeah, community, yeah. And, and, and everyone knows everyone, and it's the best feeling in the world, really. It really is. Um, I'm always I'm always so amazed and so filled with gratitude that people actually want to talk to me. So, um, uh, and thank you. (laughs) Let's talk, let's talk about November road. Um, this is a a stunningly beautiful book. It just, um, uh, I read across genre, but I might, I'm primarily interested in mystery suspense thriller. Um, boy, this, this was really hit hard. Uh, because you use the assassination of JFK as kind of your your timeline there, I remember when that happened. I was very young, but I remembered when it happened. What made you choose this snapshot in time to set your book? Well, I always knew that I wanted to throw together two characters from different worlds. You know, one's a mob guy and one's a, a, right. a mother of two little girls in a small town and and my agent was the one who actually suggested, like, what about the Kennedy assassination? And it, it just, like, opened a door for me that really um, 
I hadn't realized it was there because as a kid, my mom always told me that I was conceived the night that Kennedy was shot. And uh, the math is plausible. It's a stretch. My mom was a good storyteller. But growing up, it was something that I always heard. And so Kennedy to me and the assassination in particular was always something kind of mythic. And I knew it also you know, was that way. It changed the country. And I thought that would be something great to work with both in terms of plot and theme. Yeah, it's um, it really works on so many different levels. I I was kind of reading your editorial reviews too, and um, never mind that the great Don Winslow has has uh, you know blurbed for you, but Megan Abbott and Laura Lipman, you also had starred reviews from Kirkus, from AP Library Journal. Is there anyone who doesn't like your book? I don't think so. Your your customer reviews are amazing. Your reader reviews are uh, across the board, almost five stars on every single one. Well, I'm really, really grateful for that. I'll tell you. Do you are you concerned, or have you learned not to be concerned about reader reviews? Uh, I read them. Because sometimes they're really useful, to be honest. Like I'll, I'll read, yes. particularly on good on Goodreads, but Amazon too. I'll read a review that's very thoughtful and and mention something. That I'm like, oh, you know what? That they're right, and I hadn't thought of that. And so I try to keep an open mind. At the same time, you have to be careful not to get caught up in, you know, every little thing um, that someone might think is wrong with it, and you have to, you know, find that even keel. But in, in general, I find reader reviews very useful to read. Um, have you ever had a review that the was not so necessarily five star glowing, but that you saw a recurring theme where someone kept mentioning this? Other readers mentioned the same thing over and over again, and maybe thought that you got it wrong. Yeah, what happens a lot of times is they'll they'll remind me of something that I I knew was wrong at the time and then had kind of forgotten, and so. It's helpful to have readers like, you know, a pattern of reviews all saying, we love the book, but, you know, this was a little soft, this spot here. And I'm like, yep, that's right. I knew that at the time, and I just never, I never fixed it. So that's kind of very useful and helpful uh, to a degree. When you are writing, um, I would imagine most writers get down their first draft and then go through and begin edits. Is that generally your process? No, 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 no. That I wish I wish I could do that, but I'm I'm I was talking to Don Winslow. We we did an appearance together last night in San Diego. We both sort of work the same way, where every sentence kind of matters to us, and it's not in any kind of pretentious way. It's not like oh my sentences are so beautiful. It's more about that's how we connect with the characters and how we connect with the stories to get the sentences right. So for me, like I have to make sure the sentence works before I can kind of continue on. So I'm I'm not one of those writers who can dash off a quick first draft and then go back and fill it in. I wish I was, but it's much more sort of inefficient and time, time sensitive for me to do it this way. But that's, I kind of just embrace that's the way I do it. Um, so what comes first to you, the story idea or the character? Uh, I think in general, it's usually the characters that come to me first, but I tend to like, the two are so braided together for me, character and, and plot that it's hard mm-hmm. sometimes to separate them out because the plot comes from character and, the, and character determines plot. So I would say it's probably a slight tilt toward character, but the two are really intertwined for me. 
interesting. Um, are you uh, uh, one of those very dedicated writers where you go to the office, your writing office, and you stay there for X amount of time or until X amount of words are on the page? Well, if you're looking at me you know, from a distance, I'm an extremely disciplined writer, and I write seven, eight hours a day every day except Sunday. I write half a day on Sunday. But my secret is I'm not really disciplined. I'm just I am in, I have powerful habit working on my side that I've been doing this for so long, and I'm in the habit of getting up, leaving the house, going to a coffee shop, and writing every day that I don't even think about it anymore. So it's not really discipline. It's just a very powerful habit. But it's what works for me because I just it's I need to be immersed in it for a while before the good stuff starts happening. Interesting. Uh, It's very interesting to me. Uh, When I was reading your bio, you said that you had two sisters who liked to play school with you. And (laughs) so whether you whether you wanted to or not, you learned to read and write at a very early age. And I had flashbacks of doing that to my brother, who's now a very successful attorney. (laughs) I want to call him and say, see, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, Um, my, My sister takes credit all the time for that. Believe me. I have to call my brother back. I just talked to him earlier today. I'm going to say, you know what? Remember how you told me I was bossy and played teacher all the time? Well, see, you're successful (laughs) because I helped. (laughs) Uh Um, You have have some very eclectic favorite writers, and um, let's talk a little bit about them because we share a lot of the same people that we like. For example, Kate Atkinson and, and Elmer Leonard and Walter Mosley, whom I adore. And I right. love Don's books, real hard for me to read. I have to really take my time. Of course, Laura Lippman and, and so on. Um, how do you choose what book you want to read yourself just for enjoyment? Oh, that's a great question. I never even thought of that. You know, I'm like any reader, I guess. Like part of it is I hear people I trust recommend someone. Part of it is I walk into a, a bookstore and I see a cover that I like and I pick it up and read the flap and um, part of it is I'll, you know, I'll read a review or listen to a, a radio show that mentions a writer that sounds interesting to person, you know, and I'll think, oh, all right, I'll read the book. So it really is a lot. I'm a very eclectic reader. And so um, I love being surprised. Like I love new writers, discovering new writers. And uh, for crime fiction right now, it's such a golden age. There's so many great writers. Oh, that, God, like, I, like I have a, I have a to be read pile. That's like probably four feet high. Cause um, there, there's in such diversity, right? I mean, they're just like all kinds of writers doing all kinds of things, and I and I love that. Boy, so do I. I, I know what you mean. I, I'm um, I I don't own a television, not because there isn't good TV out there, but when there was bad TV, I threw it away. Uh, mm-hmm. So I read across genre mm-hmm. about 400 books a year, um, but oh, my favorite is still. Yeah, my, well, you know, I'm a crazy old lady with five cats. What do you want? I read <laughs> books, you know. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> but I have to say that the crime fiction this year has been spectacular. I don't know if you've had a chance to read Jennifer Hillier's Jar of Hearts. I highly recommend it. It is a magnificent book. Um, uh, her writing has always been great. This book just will will creep into your soul. It's that good. So there's one for you. I want you to recommend great, one for great. me too. Recommend one for um, me. Oh my gosh, uh, it's not a new one, and you might have read it. It came out last year, but I reread it a couple of weeks ago. It's Ivy Picotto's, uh Wonder Valley, 
uh, yes. Ivy Pakoda, and it's phenomenal, and it's just it's yes, like it a great is. California novel or great American novel, really. So I know that's yes. about a, it's about a year old, but um, I reread it. It was so good, and I, and I loved it. How funny that you like to reread books. I do that too, but with just with certain books. I um, mm-hmm. I have uh, a Trevanian that I read every single year, whether I need to or not, simply because I love spy yeah. novels so much. Yeah, and right. uh, I have to read Prince of Tides, Pat Conroy, because I think uh-huh. it's so beautifully sure. written that I actually read it out loud. And uh, I just because you know it engages a different part of your brain when you're reading out loud. Yeah. Do you ever? read your dialogue or your narrative when you're writing? Do you read it out loud? I'm told I do. Uh, I didn't realize that until people at the coffee shop where I work would, would come up to me and say, did you say something? And I'm like, no. And apparently I do talk the dialogue out loud as I'm writing it without realizing it. Um, so I kind of have to keep my voice down because I'm writing in a public place. But I think dialogue in particular, there's something about the actual physical, mechanical manifestation yes. of it. That, that goes yes. into you know the, the the act of creating it. I agree with you a hundred percent. Are you now you're on book tour and you've been on book tour for a few weeks now? And I don't know how much you have to go, but um, are you? Do you like doing book tours? A lot of writers I know don't necessarily like to, but um, do you enjoy doing book tours? Well, I don't enjoy. The airports, I'll say that. Like, I don't no. love all the airports every morning at 6 a.m. But, but you know, the rest of it's kind of great. Like, you get to go to independent bookstores and libraries and meet mm-hmm. booksellers and librarians and readers and hear their stories. And so a lot of that's, like, fantastic. I mean, I, I, so I really – I was in Warwick's in San Diego last night, as I said, with Don Winslow, and just fantastic bookstore, fantastic booksellers, great crowd. And it's just, like, that kind of energizes me. Um, to a large degree. I just wish I could teleport between bookstores and not have to actually get on yeah. a plane, but uh, right. that's worth it, though. But you're going to be in Austin at the Texas Book Festival uh, this weekend, right. correct? Yep, right. That's right. I'm doing it, a Saturday morning panel and then a noir at the bar on Saturday night with some other great writers. Oh, how fun. Those are always a treat, except VoucherCon didn't work out too well because it was a bad sound system and too many too many people crammed into one place. It was interesting though, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, you are also going to be at at one of the premier conferences, Murder and Mayhem. Um, oh, I, yeah. I wish that That's I could, my favorite. I wish I could. Yeah, I wish I could go this year. I'm going to be. Uh, I have other commitments for that weekend, and then of course Miami Book Fair is coming up, and I. I don't oh, miss Miami right, Book Fair right, for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, yeah. tell me a little bit about where your love of writing came from and storytelling. I mean, I think it runs in my family, really. I mean, I think uh, my dad's was a great storyteller. My mom was a great storyteller. And sort of it was the, the currency that when, you know, we were around the family table at dinner, people would tell stories and try to keep the other people engaged. And I think from a very early age, that's what kind of developed. Did they tell true stories or were they telling fiction? Didn't matter. Just as long as it was a good story, you know. Uh, and I think I learned that at an early age. It doesn't really matter if it's true or not as long as it seems true. And uh, that that's kind of served me well as a fiction writer. Are your sisters creatives also? Uh, both my sisters were teachers, and they were both quite creative. And my one sister who's still surviving, my one sister passed away, but my other sister is an art teacher and a phenomenal collage artist. So 
um, it definitely there's something in the family that, that was nourished by my parents, particularly my mom, like nourished and encouraged sort of artistic sensibilities. And, you know, like two out of three kids, you know, pursued that path. It was pretty, pretty amazing considering, you know, where we came from, which was kind of, you know, lower middle class Oklahoma City at the time. Um, well, you haven't strayed far from home other than for book tour then. You are, you are where you were born. Yeah, I was gone a long time. I got out of Oklahoma as early as I could, age 17, and lived in California, lived in Massachusetts, lived in New Orleans. But my wife and wow. I moved back. And so it's, it's, it's kind of that, you know, it's one of those things, the circular pattern of life, you know, coming back. Yes. now. It's, I, I love it. I wouldn't live anywhere else. Um, Lou, I, uh, again, I'm, I'm referring back to your bio on your website. But mm-hmm. I love the fact that you said you had between the ages of 12 and 19, you were fired from approximately nine different jobs. I love that. I love that you tried to work. And whether you were no, no good at it or you lied about your mm. age, but you always were out there doing stuff like that. What gave you that work sense? I don't know. That's interesting. I think, you know, for one thing, that's what kids kind of did back then. They worked just to like have money to do fun stuff. But my, my parents sure. always encouraged it. They were just like, get out and work. And I remember, I think my first job was like I was 12, and I think I told them I was 16, and they knew I wasn't 16, but they let me work anyway. And it was just a way, I think as a writer, it was incredibly important to me because I got to meet a ton of different people from different backgrounds, you know, nothing mm-hmm. like me. And that's that's a rare thing, and a, for a writer, it's a really valuable thing. So it's a very valuable thing because you you have a sense of different characters and personalities and mm-hmm. so on. Exactly. And I would imagine that you and your wife doing all your world traveling, and you've been to so many different places, um, has also expanded your worldview about people. And um, yeah, but you yeah, said definitely. your favorite place is Rwanda. Tell me why. Mm-hmm. Well. It, well, lots of reasons, but Rwanda is unbelievably beautiful. It's like physically beautiful. These green mountains that are the most beautiful green I've ever seen in my life. People are incredibly friendly and generous. Um, and it's a, it's a country with an incredibly rich history, rich and troubling history. And you, know, troubling. you feel history, you know, you walk down the street and you, you feel the history with every step. And, and that really appeals to me. But it's also, you know, done an amazing job of recovering from its deep tragedies of the, of the mid nineties. So that's sort of yeah. the redemptive arc that is impressive as well. Um, I know that you are also a dog lover. Mm-hmm. You claim you're mm-hmm. an emphatic, you love dogs. I so, do. and that your, your golden retriever is the best dog in the world. Yes. Is, I'm pretty um, is. <laughs> what is his name? And we'll give him a shout out. I'm not. I'm not giving the name out because there there are Russian. I'm a crime novelist, Pam, and there are Russian hackers out there listening to this. They okay. want to know my dog's name so they can crack my true. personal security. So there you go. Well, we, okay, so we'll just say Spot. Just just uh, Spot. No, we'll call him Spot. Spot's, That's good. Spot's the best dog in the world. <laughs> he is. He's a great dog. But all dogs surprised? are the best dog in the world. So I love it. So. What would we be surprised to learn about you? Nothing at all. There's nothing at all surprising about me whatsoever. I don't and believe just, I'm going to stick to that story. I'm sticking to that story, man. Okay. So let's see if I can get at this another way. Um, when you're not writing <laughs> and you're not traveling, how do you like to spend your time? 
you know, with spot. I just read a lot. Yeah, I read and walk the dog. I have an incredibly boring life. When I'm not out killing people for money, I just walk the dog and, and read. Wow. Um, whose book is on your nightstand right now, Lou? Nobody. I've been traveling, and there's so many I'm desperate to read that I really want to read. Um, let me see. Tana French's new book, The Witch Elm, yep. I really want to read. That, that just came out. I haven't read the new Kate Atkinson yet, which I'm, is killing me. Transcription <laughs> looks fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to get home and just sort of tear into those. That's nice. Um, who gave you your best piece of writing advice, and what was it? It was a writer named Jane Nugaborn, who was my uh, one of my professors in grad school. And every time I would turn a short story into him, uh, he would write on the top, cut seven pages, and send it out. And every story he did that, no matter how long the story was. It became this kind of joke, like cut seven pages and send it out. But I love that idea of like it can always be tighter, and then you have to finish and put it out in the world. And so those are the, those are the kind of pieces of advice that's really stick, stayed with me. When people ask you what you do for a living, what do you tell them? Writer. Why do you not say author? Uh, sounds kind of pretentious. I don't know. <laughs> I love I mean, asking this question because, <laughs> and it author, is one I author. ask regularly. It, it just, I understand what you're saying, but I think you're too humble. And I don't think author is yeah. pretentious, but you're probably okay, a little too humble. I never even thought about it. That's interesting to think about that. So thank you. (laughs) Um, Lou, what is your thought about the role of crime fiction in society these days? You know, I think crime fiction has always really been important as a way to see aspects of society that don't get um, covered in the mainstream media, that don't get acknowledged by people in power that uh, just are overlooked and swept under the rug. And, you know, it's a way to sort of open a lifeline into an important part of our life, I think. And so I think crime fiction has always served that purpose. Yeah, I think you're right. Tell everyone where they can find you on the webs, please. They can find me at www.louburney.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. And the new book is called November Road. Um, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today. I know you have a very busy schedule, and I appreciate you taking time from it to speak to me. I, um, much success with your writing and with your tour. And um, come back and take a turn behind the microphone. Get your friend Don Winslow to come on, and I'll set up the <laughs> whole thing. And uh, you can interview that. him. You, well, no, you know, I'd love you that. Just, you tell me, and I'll make it happen, okay? Great. Thank you so if much for having me on today. It, it's been a pleasure. If I don't speak to you before, I wish you a lovely holiday season and oh, um, much success so much. with the book. All right, Lou, thank thanks. You so much. Have fun tonight. Okay. I will. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Sure thing. Bye. And that's my show for today. I will see you next Wednesday. I hope you all have a great weekend. Thanks for being with me, and thank you, Mom and Dad. Bye-bye. <laughs>
sat down with Johnny Caraba, the founder of Caraba's Italian Grill, to talk about the unique dining experience at his restaurants. We wanted to have an open kitchen because at my grandmother's house, we'd all gather in the kitchen and watch her cook. If you go to a Caraba's, you have people cooking, sauteing, but they're part of the dining experience, and that was not by accident. Experience Caraba's new fall specials tonight, like rigatoni martino and prosciutto and fontina stuffed pork chop. Plus, during our wine harvest, get $10 off bottles of wine throughout October, only at Carabas. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.